You are now listening to the Griot's Black Podcast Network, Black Culture Amplified. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to this special episode of Dear Culture here on the Griot Black Podcast Network. We're here at the Griot Awards in LA at the Beverly Hilton, interviewing the honorees and some special VIPs that are going to come through the building. So make sure you check us out. Who knows who's going to come through? Who knows what kind of conversations we're going to have? But it's going to be all good, all fun all black, all the time. The first person I want to share with you all is legendary. I'm talking icon status. You know her from shows like 227 and Sister Sister. Oh yeah, I'm talking about none other than Emmy Award winning actress, Jack Hay Harry. Happy her. Listen, I would love nothing more than for you to be her. My name is Panama Jackson. I am a... Wow. Uh, yeah, I know. Sometimes people, sometimes people react like that. It's like, wow, that's an interesting name. Panama. Yes. Uh, I have a podcast called Dear Culture at the Griot, and the whole purpose of it is to highlight and celebrate black culture, right? Uh, everything that's wonderful about us. The Griot, obviously the tradition of storytelling. Do you view yourself as a Griot? Yes. I had to think about it, because uh, Griot's tradition, an African word for the storyteller, yeah. keeps the history of the, the people going when they don't have a written history, right? Absolutely. You think I didn't know that? Oh, no, no, no. Listen, I assume you know that. But... We're telling our stories now on the internet, of course, and all platforms, this one being one. So yes, I'm a griot, but I have yet to tell the story of how uh, it all came to be for me. So maybe one day I can, because uh, I haven't thought about it. It kind of just work. Are, we gonna, are you going to do that at some point? Can we expect oh, yeah. to tell the story of how it all yeah, came to be? A couple more people got to die first, but... <laughs> I lean into the mic It'd be like the Temptations movie, huh? What does it feel like to be a legend? And I don't I'm say that lightly. Yeah, ma'am. Man. I'm an icon. Oh, you know what? I'll take that. You're an icon. So what does that feel like? I don't know yet. I don't think about it, really. Think about it. I'm being flippant, but seriously, I don't... There are some legends. I'm not there yet, but I'm, I'm almost. Maybe, well, maybe by Thursday, maybe. Okay. <laughs> well, let me say, as a person who's grown up watching shows and films and everything that you've been a part of, you're part of my household. Oh, we were the two two seven. We were we were we were there. I, I watched all oh, that. Sister, sister. You're huh? too young to be two two seven. Uh, you got to be sister sister. But the uh, twins. Well, yes, that was also that. So I was a little bit older then. But my parents love two. Oh. My parents love two two seven. So we used to watch that show religiously. I'm just saying. You, you've been a you part of my 12, life. Twelve. I, mean. I am forty three, ma'am. Black so don't crack. That's I I love I love that that's the case. Hopefully that stays away forever. You know this personally, firsthand. So look, one thing we always do on my podcast to end every podcast episode is we do a black fashion, which is a confession about your blackness. Something somebody would be surprised to know because black people, we're not a monolith. We love to say that, right? So we all have these interesting things about us that people are like, really, that's, how, that's what you like? Do you have a black fashion? A black fashion. A black fashion. I grew up in the Lincoln Projects in Harlem, New York City. How black fashion is that? Uh, there you go, listen. I ran the streets, not the streets, the streets. Yes born and, and bred, you know, isn't that something? I didn't think about that. And I make the best fried chicken in the world. Okay. Now, is this tested? You're going to slap yourself. Oh, now that's, that's some good, good fried chicken. Is. Listen, I believe in food that make you slap you yourself. You put your hands. That's right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking a few minutes with us here at Dear Culture. It is truly an honor. It is truly a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, Panama. The night was all about honoring 12 black icons. And one of those was real estate entrepreneur and author Don Peebles, who was named the business icon for his work and commitment to diversity and equity in the business world. Here now joined by Don Peebles, one of our honorees this evening here at the Griot Awards. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Now, from D.C., right? I'm 
from DC. From DC. Right. So I live in DC right now. Oh, really? I live in okay. I live in yes, it, it, I live in Congress Heights. Okay. I live in Congress Heights area. Southeast. My, okay, I built my first building on, in Congress Heights. On MLK. You're right. On MLK. Martin Luther King Avenue. Yes, sir. So how much has DC changed since you were since you don't live in DC anymore, right? I don't. Okay. I don't. So my but family's have you, still there. Okay. Have you watched the seen watched some of the as a developer, as somebody who is creating part of the landscape of the city? How has it how has it been been watching the the growth and the change in DC over the past I don't know 20 30 years? Well, you know it's interesting. So um, I was born in DC, mm -hmm. and when I went to college, um, I came back home and uh, started working there in 1979. But I when I grew up in DC, there was always a black mayor. Yes. The chief of police was black. Right. And the relationship that the police had with us as young black men and women. Um, was a very positive one overall. I mean, right. it was not this adversarial one. And the government was focused on creating economic empowerment. And D.C. got a very transformative mayor. He had his problems, but he was very transformative. And the mayor for a, life. Mayor for Talk life. about the mayor Mary for Bear. life. Mary and Barry. And, and if it wasn't for him, and it wasn't for me being in D.C. at that time in the 1980s, I wouldn't be here today. So I got my first opportunity to build my first building um, from Marion Barry. And before that, I got my chance to be involved in real estate in the, in the, the centers of power in D.C. through him. And so Washington, D.C., throughout the 1980s, there was a strong commitment for economic empowerment for black businesses. And so D.C. became the mecca, along with Atlanta, for black businesses. Yep. And Ward 8, where you live, where I live um, yes. was the most influential ward because Barry and the government cared about black Americans and black D.C. residents. And so what I saw was transformative economic empowerment throughout the 1980s. And then it changed. And so it slowed down. So today, Washington, D.C. has had tremendous development growth. Right. Tremendous prosperity. We're always building something. There's always something yeah. being built. There's always something right. if you new. you look at Southwest, which was urban renewal yes. for, for really for economic empowerment for black people, got redeveloped into the war. Yes. Very limited um, opportunities for African-American businesses. So if I look at D.C., I see great progress as a developer and business person, but I see tremendous lost opportunity and exclusion because D.C. is a tale of two cities. There's no longer the black economic power base that was there before. Right. It's now in Prince George's County. Right. And yep. so what I see is lost opportunity. And I'm hopeful that um, black Washingtonians and black businesses will go back and look at D.C. now that it's going to have some problems as a result of, you know, the change of how people work and so forth. Um, but, I mean, D.C., there's never been any place like it when it was there in the 1980s for us as black business people. And I'm grateful that I happen to have been there and right. been a part of it. And, uh, and without transforming, and it's important, it shows the power of politics. If it wasn't for a transformative mayor, right. I wouldn't be here. Um, Fair enough. So, and, and so many of us got our start there. Absolutely. So how does it feel to be an honoree at the, the first Grill Awards? Humbling. I mean, humbling and a, a great sense of pride. Um, you know, to be, you know, um, in, you know, being, being uh, honored with someone like Patti LaBelle, who I have admired forever. Absolutely. Someone who is creative and transformative as Tyler Perry. Um, you know, my friend Robert Smith, who has knocked down tremendous barriers um, and set, you know, a tone of philanthropy. I mean, it's humbling. But I also feel this sense of responsibility. Okay. And a renewed sense of responsibility that we have to step up the volume and the pressure for economic inclusion. Um, because 
if you think about going back to what happened during after the murder of George Floyd right. and how there was this day of reckoning and this time of reckoning. Absolutely. Um, but now we're losing the momentum again. And we are not on the forefront of the discussion. And we need to get back on the forefront of discussion economically. All right. Well, sir, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate all that you do, all that you've done, all that you will do. And uh, I hope you enjoy your evening. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. From business talk with one of the country's wealthiest black men, Don Peebles, to laughs with the legendary comedian, Luanell. It's a pleasure to meet you. I'm a fan. I've been a fan for a long time. What's and my name? Lunell. First off... You didn't say it. First off, first off, I was getting there. Thank you very much. Allow me to do my thing. I'm the host right now. I'm the host right now. This is Dear Culture with Panama Jackson. I'm on a step and repeat back here. Now, we're at the Griot, and Griot means storyteller. Right. You view yourself as a Griot, as a storyteller? Oh, absolutely. In my comedic uh, delivery. I'm not a joke teller. I don't even know how to write a joke. I wouldn't know how to remember one. But I do tell stories, and that way I don't have to memorize because everything I talk about on stage is true. I had to train like an athlete to get this body. You don't just wake up and look like this. I had to eat midnight snack and between meal snack. And then you have to lay immediately down after all that eating. So definitely, I'm a grill. I recently did a podcast episode with Guy Tory talking about the Fat Tuesday documentary that he did. And actually, since I have you here, I wanted to ask you about that. Can you tell me a little bit about that time in the L.A. comedy scene? And Because it seems to have, inf I mean, listen, y'all were all in every movie that I watched in the 90s. It was like everybody, like that whole scene was so essential to my own like upbringing and, and, and influenced me so much. Like, What was it like back then as, as being a part of that scene? It really was sort of like an explosion. And I think that it started exploding with Robin Harris, you know? Yes. And then people started taking notice of the, the griots that we've always had yeah. and the stories that we've always told. And they noticed that, hey, these black folks like to have a good time and make a good movie and they make money. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. They put a lot of people on. You know, we had never had national television exposure as comedians until BET's Comic View and Def Jam. Right. That's the first time we had national exposure. And from those days, spun out many, many multi-millionaire stars today, just from that era. And when Guy put together Fat Tuesday, P-H-A-T, P-H-A-T, not F-A-T, it took us back when we were watching, it really took us back to that time. And things were less complicated. It wasn't social media. It's like, that person funny, go see him. Right. That was the social media, and we didn't have any of that. You know, cyberbullying or anything like this, or haterade and stuff like right. that. There was always, there's always going to be problems with people, but it wasn't like you know beefs and stuff like that. Right. And um, while social media is great for us to promote, and 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 we've come a long, long way. You know, uh, for me, like looking at comedy, even on a special, it's just not the same as being in the room. Gotcha. Yeah, looking I agree. Comedy, I, you just get a different. The energy, vibe you know? is different. The yeah, feeling is there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But I think that that documentary was a great, great thing, and I think that being here tonight, especially being at the first one, is really amazing. I'm rarely in town on the weekends ever, so to be here, to be able to come is great, 
to be here and after you know quarantine I still am amazed when we come together and pull together I'm dressed up you can't I'm dressed as at they war? tried at the Country Music Awards, but you can't have <laughs> stylists and black people who, who walk with pride and with our heads held up, and now you're in a whole room full of them. Yes. And it's like a herd, and I, I, you can't I love help it. but the energy rub off from yourself to other people, other people to yourself. All right. The last question I'm going to ask you, this is something we do at the end of my podcast every episode, okay. which is we ask everybody for a black fashion. Which a is a confession, a black fashion, a confession about your blackness. Something that people would be surprised to know about Lunell because you black. What's something that people would be surprised to know? Put you on the spot. That if some of my uh -oh. friends knew how much I don't care about them, they'd be really hurt. Oh, that's now, a that's a confession right there, a, boy. That's a black fashion. <laughs> Indeed it is. But you know that I, I, I eat it because sometimes they, they need me, you know. Yes. And, and so I, I... We all need we you. All, we all, we all need you. Oh. We appreciate you. Look, seriously, <laughs> thank you for everything you've done. I'm, I, when I, I was not joking when I saw a big fan. You've been in all kind of movies and everything that I enjoy and love. I'm a black movie connoisseur. Wow. I'm a, I, I consume blackness at an amazing clip. That's wonderful. And we should get together to watch a movie one night. Listen, you, popcorn. you call me, you let me know. Ooh, I mean, I, I live in I D.C., but... Men, though. Well. I only call back. You know I don't even I, know what to do with this right now. I don't even know what to do with no, this. I ain't gonna lie to you. Well, I have, I have a, a, a theory. You can cut all this, whatever. I don't call men because A, if you don't answer, I'm mad. Okay. B, Fair. if I leave you a message and you don't return it, I'm mad. C, if you say I'm gonna call you back and you don't call me back, I'm mad. So to avoid all that, I just don't call men. I only call back. The logic works. It works out. Yeah, that math. I just wait till you call me. I'm Ladies and gentlemen, that maths <laughs> right there. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks for Thank having me. Thank you so me. much. We God appreciate you. Enjoy your night. Now, someone I was really excited to see was Nicole Hannah-Jones. You know her. She's the Pulitzer Prize winning reporter who covers racial injustice at the New York Times and the creator of the famed and landmark 1619 Project and is currently the founder for the Center for Journalism and Democracy at Howard University. Oh yeah, she missed Howard homecoming to come hang out with us. What's going on? We are here with a superstar. Come on now, Nicole Hannah-Jones, one of the most famous black people probably in white America, black America, everywhere at this point. You are the, look, the, the name of my podcast is Dear Culture and you are the culture at this point as much as you have given and done. So the, we're part of the griot and I've been asking everybody this just because I think it's an important question, but do you view yourself as a griot? Um, yes, I guess I do. I guess I do, right? I mean, uh, I definitely see myself in the tradition of black storytellers, of uh, black people who are determined uh, to do as the very first black newspaper, the Freedom Journal, said, we wish to plead our own cause, no right. longer should others speak for us. So I hope so. Um, it seems like a big title to kind of bestow upon yourself. So well, I, I would happily bestow it upon you. <laughs> thank yes, you. See I mean. me that way, but yes, and, and if I'm not, I, I hope to get there. Yeah, well, as, as a fan, as somebody who's uh, obviously engaged with your work culturally, just in, in, in many ways, I absolutely view you that way. What does it feel like to be missing Howard Homecoming right now? <laughs> Man, you know, I have never been to a Howard Homecoming. 
because before I worked there, I always said I, I couldn't go because I feel so jealous that I wasn't part of the Howard family. Mm -hmm. And now I'm there and I'm missing it. So uh, just understand how important it is for me to support black media that I would miss Howard Homecoming to be here. I like that. That was very well done. <laughs> so the last thing I'm going to ask you here. So one of the things that I do on my podcast is when everybody at the end of every show, we do a black fashion which is a confession about your blackness. I would ask everybody to come up with something, something that people would be surprised to know about Nicole Hannah-Jones, because as an arbiter of black culture the way that you are, what is something somebody, people would be surprised to learn? I'm about to get canceled over this. Oh, let's do it. But I've seen Gone with the Wind about 10 times. Really, the whole thing? <laughs> the whole thing. That movie's long. <laughs> the whole thing. So wait, you like it, you actually like well, Gone with the Wind. I, I, I feel like it's an amazing, uh, one, it is amazing storytelling. It is amazing storytelling. The I, fashion I, yeah. is beautiful. But also, if you want to understand how black people and slavery were conceptualized in the white mind, there's almost no better case study uh, than Gone with the Wind. So, uh, for all of those reasons, yes, I, I've seen that movie many, many times. But I, I, I've never admitted this publicly before. <laughs> Exclusive right here on the I'm gonna Dear say Culture. that this tape was doctored. Um, but yes, it's, it's yes, for many reasons it's, it uh, it tells you everything about how white people thought about slavery and black people at that time and right. in many ways how they think about it now. Fair enough. Well thank you for taking a couple minutes with us here Absolutely. at Dear Culture to to share your story about Gone with the Wind, which is not <laughs> what I thought you were gonna say. I literally never saw that coming. We appreciate you. We love all the work that you're doing. Sincerely, I'm going to edit this. Hold on. Can I get it? No, I'm playing. It's all good. <laughs> Thank you so much for Thank joining you. us. Thank you. Thank right. you. A member of the Griot family, Michael Harriet, also made some time for us. We're sitting here with Michael Harriet, writer, white peopleologist, one of the most famous black people on the planet. He brought, he brought us such threads as, are these people black famous? And, uh... Well, he likes to tell stories. He has a book coming out specifically for that purpose. This is the one and only Michael Harriet. What's going on, man? Man, I am well, and I'm so happy to have you here on Dear Culture. So, we're here at the Griot Awards. What are you looking forward to most tonight here at, at, at the Griot Awards? You know, one of my favorite things in general is watching black people stunt, right? And, like, this is the perfect event for uh, stunting. Uh, you know, even more so than the BET Awards or any other awards show, man. This is like the highest level of stunting. And I've, I've already witnessed some, and I've seen somebody walking around with a crown. Um, so, yeah, I, I just love to witness the stunting. I can't remember exactly which poet laureate said it best, but stunting is a habit, is I do believe the way that we live life. Right. And I agree with you. That's why we are here. That is why we are gathered uh, in, in where more than two are gathered. Right. Well, yeah. I'm just remixing Bible verses at this point because, right. you know, but I mean, the point is. Yeah, ultimately, is it all awards shows just a conduit for stunting? That I, you know what? You are absolutely right. And when I walk out of here tonight, I'm stunting on somebody. Right. I don't know who. But I'm stunting on somebody, and you have inspired me to do so. Since we're talking about being so black, do you have a black fashion? Black fashion being a confession about your blackness, something somebody, something people might not expect, especially out of you. So my black fashion is, is kind of embarrassing, but most black foods I cannot eat or I have never eaten. So I have a terrible, I'm allergic to all milk products, so I've never really had macaroni and cheese, although I make a good macaroni and cheese, I am told. 
Okay. I'm about and, to say, because you can't really verify that. And I grew up not eating pork, so, like, I've never, I've never had most pork pie. I've never had a hog maw, a chitterling, or a chitlin. Okay. Um, By the way, he's a black man from South Carolina. I just right, wanted yeah, everybody yeah, to be is, very aware right, of this. Um, I have seen more actual pigs than I have eaten. Um, so, I don't yeah. even know what to do with this information, but I appreciate you sharing it with us because right. that, that lets me know that you love and care about me as a human, that you would share something so uh, antithetical to your very your very career yeah I've, uh, so this is the worst part right this is this is my Mike it can be kicked out of the club okay because of this because not eating bologna uh, uh, pork I have never had the bologna with the red string around I'm not sure you're missing anything because I have had that and while I remember eating that I don't remember that being a choice mm -hmm. so you know but look, we appreciate you being here, sharing yes, this yes. with us here yeah, for a minute here. I, at feel, a, I feel like I've cleansed myself. This was a cathartic moment. We're going to let the people decide on that one because we're definitely airing this. So we're going to let the people decide <laughs> on, on what that means and how that impacts where you go from the future. All right, man. My brother, Michael Harriet, Love right, you, man. man. Appreciate you. And it did not take long for a very famous face to react to Michael's mac and cheese black fashion. One of our writers, Michael Harriet, don't even eat mac and cheese. What? It, that's exactly what I did. That's the same thing I did. He don't eat macaroni and cheese. And he makes macaroni and cheese, but he don't eat it. Now, he has reasons. He's allergic to dairy, but that's beside the point. I'm not going to let that he get in the way. He's different type of cheese, like vegan cheese. There's all kinds of stuff. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. We, uh, where did Cameron, we're going to take this brother black car, man. Oh, the here. one with the blackest jacket in the room. Come here. The one with the blackest jacket in the room. Boy, tell me why you don't eat macaroni and cheese. Okay, allergic to dairy. They have vegan cheese. Now, what's the other answer? Why you can't? Cashew, or you can get the cashew, all that different stuff. Come here, look at sharp, boy. I know, ain't Looking it? All sexy look at casket sharp, like we say. Look at casket sharp, right? Ready boy. to lay him right down. They laid him down nice. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna be a good son. Now listen with your little chocolatey self. Why don't you eat macaroni and cheese? You know they fried, they put lobster in it. Aren't you a chef? Uh, Where's your companion? I know somebody love you. Okay, somebody you're trying to fall in love. You're in love. And, she said, and, and they say, baby, if you love me. Eat a spoonful of macaroni and cheese. You doing it? What's happening? Yeah, I would do it. Um, it's, I'm not a, you would do it? I'm not anti-macaroni and right, cheese. I don't okay, want to My stomach is. Oh, oh. Well, get the, get the good, the best cheese, government. Because you make grilled cheese. Government cheese. Very good. Hard to cut because you got to stand on on top of something to smash that knife down, and it never cuts. So you need right. some leverage. It's a triangle. Okay. It's a triangle. You got to get up. You got to yeah, get up. Okay. Yeah. All right. And with the good grape jelly, that's a good sandwich. That was easily one of my favorite moments of the night. Cheryl Underwood is a beloved comedian, but she was actually one of the hosts for the big show. This first annual Grio Awards celebrates our culture in all levels of every endeavor that black people are part of. I love it. I love it. And that's exactly why we are here. Like, what does it feel like to be able to be one of the first people to come and do like you literally get to set the tone where we're going with this? Like, what is that? What is that like for you? Well, wait a minute. Don't forget Tay Diggs, you know, because we're 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 a uh, hosting duo. Don't tell him this. He's probably my favorite actor. <laughs> <laughs> 
And you know what? I'm an amazing actor, but a comedian. But he's gonna play straight man tonight. He's a straight man. Yeah, okay, he's all right. Straight man tonight. But you know what's great about this? Um, that Byron Allen had the vision to put this together, and I think we got the most powerful of the most powerful. And what I'm hoping is that children, families will come together and watch this. But children will look up at that stage and see examples that they can follow. I love it. Last thing I'm gonna ask you. This is something that? we do on my podcast to end every episode. We do a black fashion, which is a confession about your blackness. Something that folks would be surprised to learn about you because you're black. We always have those things that people are like, hmm. I think I've done everything that the culture will allow. And you know what? That is the best answer that one could Absolutely. possibly give. And I put God first and everything else fall into place. There you go. Amen. 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 God, God is good. All the time. And all, all the time. time. God is good. There hey, you go. Good. Now, if you was my pastor, I'd come to church more often. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Up next is R&B singer and songwriter Gawapale whose name means move forward in Setswana, a South African language. I bet you didn't know that. I know I didn't know that. What does it feel like having a name that people don't know how to pronounce? Um, it's my only experience in life. I think it's been like a real coming of age thing for me. You know, when I was little and I had to repeat it over and over. And really it's a family name pronounced Huapele, which is even harder than I was going to say, because I've been saying it wrong too. Okay, I thought no, I had it. But the thing is, when I got into entertainment, I was like, let's just do it phonetic, Huapele. You know, and in South Africa, people still make fun of me because it's a family name. But I think, you know, when I was younger, I didn't want to stand out. And then when I really stepped into being an artist, I just claimed it and claimed my uniqueness. So it's just like something I had to grow into. So you didn't want to stand out. Somebody As like a it. little kid, no. Really? I wanted to fit in. And how did that work when you obviously became this? Because uh, everybody, everybody I know is a huge fan of yours. Like you. Closer is one of those songs that everybody knows. You're going to hear forever. Like you actually, you legit landed a classic song that I think we're going to be hearing for eternity. I'm getting high. So what's that like then? Because that's a complete antithesis of that. I don't know. I mean, I think Closer was a song that was so personal to mm -hmm. me, and it was really outside of the box okay. of anything that I feel like would have even got play on the radio. I just feel like the stars kind of aligned and people resonated with it. And I've always loved art and always loved music. And so I just kept going with it. But you know, all the, all the other stuff, the yeah. inner feelings have to catch up, you know, but the creativity has always been there. Got you. The last question I'm going to ask, one thing we do on my podcast to end every podcast is we ask all of our guests for a black fashion, which is a confession oh. that people will be surprised to know about you because of your blackness. So what is a black fashion that you have, if you have one to share? Um, give me some examples. How far am I going to go Okay, with so you know, a lot of people have never seen Friday, which is always surprising to me, yeah. or people are still finding out that Bobby Caldwell is white, which t I'll give you one. I'll give you one I just came up with. I didn't with. know that. Oh, well, I would wow. say I didn't know that. So you were today years old when you just, I just, I just told Guapale that Bobby Caldwell was white. Yo, I think I literally listen, just unlocked the level of blackness. Listen, you can't tell. Listen, I did new shoes that song, I can't wait. I genuinely thought they were, there was a black people. I didn't know that until two weeks ago. This is I'm what I mean. I'm happy we share that. We are sharing moments. So own. that's what I mean by black fashion. Yeah. Something that people wouldn't wouldn't um, expect. Wouldn't expect. That's not personal. That's just about the. It could be. It could listen. Culture. It could be anything. I don't know that I. It's okay because if you don't. Cuss because I like everything. You what know. You said, or what did now? I like ratchet music? I don't know. Um, is that surprising? I don't know. 
know. Oh, maybe not. That's okay. I'm from the Bay Area. Well, right, well, look, you found out Bobby Caldwell was white in real time, and I think yes. that counts as much as anything. So. We're there with it. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining thank me here you. for a few minutes of Dear Culture. It is a pleasure to meet you. Pleasure. Big fan. Uh, enjoy your evening. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Another singer-songwriter I chatted with was Damon Elliott, who was also a music producer and the son of Dionne Warwick, who talked about collaborating with his iconic mother. My mom trumps on Dionne Warwick, producing her, her latest project is my favorite. Oh, what was that like? It was nerve-wrackingly awesome, because it was my mom, you know, so um, telling her what to do is, is, uh, is difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine that. Culturally speaking, we don't do that. No. That, ain't, that ain't something that no. you do. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. Well, she let me, and it was fun because, you know, she let me sit in the producer seat. Okay. I mean? and, and it was awesome. It's, it's something that I'll never forget. So here's something fun. Her version of So Amazing mm. is my favorite one of it. It's my favorite version between her and Luther. I, I know that's probably uh, sacrilege to say, but... Listen, that... I'll have to call her and let her know that. That'll make her happy. And I, I listen to it all the time. Because I, I didn't even realize that... I knew he wrote the record. I didn't realize that was, that was a single for Dionne Warwick first. Yes. And when I discovered it, I was like, yo, that's, 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 a, that's amazing. That's awesome. Unintended. Well, they yeah. were very close. Like, you know, brothers yeah, absolutely. Sisters, so it makes sense. That's well, awesome. look, thank you for taking a couple minutes with us here at, at Dear Culture at the yeah. Grill Black Podcast Network. Thank you. Thank you for all the work that you do. You, Appreciate you. All right, cool. Enjoy your evening. Moving on to actress Bravely Evans, who's been in dozens of films and TV shows and is best known for her roles on Ambitions and everyone's favorite, being Mary Jane. You are somebody who has shared your light with the world cinematically on the big screen, the little screen. I'm so grateful. The griot is a storyteller. Do you view yourself as a griot? I believe that I am. And I've been loving watching how this is just turned into this big conglomerate of, you know, sharing black excellence. So I'm happy to be a part of it. Well, we appreciate yeah. that. Something we do on my podcast at the to end every episode is a black fashion. A confession about your blackness. Something that mm. black people would be surprised to learn about you considering yes. that, you know what, you are black. Do you have a black fashion? Let me see, what would be mine? I don't know if you guys would be surprised to know that I can go from the ghetto to the White House and have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, any White House? Any version of the White House? Any version of it. Any version of it, because I'm going to bring my blackness with me. So that, that's the, gonna the be 2016 good. through 2020 White House? You can do this. I, I, I can handle it. <laughs> okay, and I, you know what? I believe you, because the energy that you're giving me right now... <laughs> I believe fully that you could do no, that. I really believe that I could. No, absolutely. I think it's something to find your most authentic self, and that's been my superpower. So, yeah, I think that that's gonna. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna roll with that. All right. Well, we yes. appreciate you taking a couple minutes with us here at Dear Culture to share your grillness, to share your story. So, thank you for everything thank that you do. You. Thank you for for just being black excellence. Come on. Don't we love that phrase? We do we love, love that, that phrase. phrase. I might get a tattoo. Especially when it's true. <laughs> okay, come on. That part. Thank you. Thank you so much. Model and actor Brandon Williams was also in the building. He's been featured in ads for Ralph Lauren and Under Armour. And before his modeling career kicked off, he was a decorated Navy pilot who served in eight missions. So in the book of your life, uh -huh. what's, what's, what's going to be the title of the book of your life? Never give up. Uh, elaborate on that, if you will. 
Well, you know, I uh, I'm from Texas, man. You okay. Know what what I mean? part? What part of Texas? Dallas, Texas. Dallas. Okay. Dallas, Texas. I live in in DC, so okay, well, I'm a Commanders fan. Uh-huh. Uh, you all <laughs> have our number at all turns. But anyway, that's not it's not about me. It's not about me and my sore spots. Continue. Uh, well, thank you for that. Um, but um, you know, I'm from Dallas, Texas. I, I grew up. You know, mom mom worked. Uh, you know, in the industry. Uh, my dad. You know, work for the city. You know, it, we just believe in just hard work. You okay. Know, putting your best foot forward every day. Um, did I think I was going to end up doing anything in entertainment? Uh, probably not. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, experience is something that you can't really. Uh, emulate you know or, or or just make up you know right. you live in the moment every day and i think that just having different challenges come your way and uh seeing different opportunities come your way as well it kind of like you know I'm, I'm religious man you know what i mean and i know there's a god absolutely you know? uh, because i've had a lot of blessings come my way and you know they've created you know i'm, I'm where i'm at today you know what i mean i'm about talk, to say i was gonna ask you like Panama. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So what has been your favorite opportunity that's presented itself so far? I just I'm thankful to be alive. Okay. I'm thankful that I'm, I'm able to be in places like this and, uh, you know, speak to people and network with, with, within my community. Absolutely. Uh, I think that's something that, uh, you know, it, it speaks volumes. It speaks volumes as far as, like, you know, where we started and where we are now. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you taking a little bit of time out to speak with us here at Deer Culture. Uh, best of luck in all of your endeavors. Enjoy the evening, and uh, we'll see you out. We'll see you out there. Well all right, brother. And rounding out the night was the impressive Michelle G, who's the president of multicultural advertising for the Grio. But she's also served as the CEO of Ebony and Jet Magazines, and has a long history as a BET executive. Basically, she's everywhere blackness is. Why do you think it's important to, to, to celebrate the way that we're doing? Because who else is going to? So my grandmother taught me, if not you, then who? And so if we don't celebrate our own across different categories and disciplines and different people, we know that the world's not celebrating us, whether it's in the hallways of corporate America, whether it's on a stage or an award show. So we got to honor ourselves and tell our story so that we become part of the fabric of this amazing country. Now, did you rehearse that? Because that was not. perfect. I, I feel not. like I feel like that I was a, I feel like that was a perfect I, I don't response. Need your, because I, I've been that person. <laughs> I'm about to say that. I've this been literally... invisible. Come on now. Listen, and we appreciate everything that you have done and are doing and will do. The last question I'm going to ask you yes. is: When on our podcast, at the end of every podcast, we do a black fashion, which is a confession Ooh. about your blackness. Something like, for instance, a couple weeks ago, I, I just realized that the people that sing the song "I Can't Wait" new shoes, I did not know those were not black people. I made that discovery. I was very surprised when I discovered this. Wow. Do you have a black fashion that you can share with us? A black fashion. Um, so I'll say this. I'm a little girl from Oakland, California. Okay. And my mom is Canadian. She's, you know, white with blonde hair and blue eyes. And my dad is was 6'4", a black dude, you know, and we grew up in Oakland. And oftentimes... I'm required to say what I am. I'm I, like people want to know. They want to put me in a box, and I just grew up in a culture that's amazing. I'm a black woman, and I'm proud to say that. Uh, and so, you know, I don't talk about one side of my family, but I love my mom. I love my dad. But we have an opportunity to choose a culture, and I choose to to, to walk in my amazing blackness. So that's my that's my. There you go. That's I will take it. You'll take it. Okay. I'll take it. Right. Thank you so okay. much. Right. It's Thank a pleasure. You. Thank, Thank you so Absolutely. much. That's going to do it for Dear Culture. 
black voices are amplified.